Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. David Wall steps up, Frosty steps out, and Bards wins across the ditch. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Mark Winterbottom has broken his ankle in a water skiing accident on December 29. The lead driver of FPR spent two days in Knox Private Hospital where Winterbottom was successfully operated on and had two screws inserted into the brake. He is looking forward to being back in the car for the pre-season test in February and is already back at training, working closely with the trainers and staff of the Essendon Football Club. The car of the future has been released, but outspoken critic of the project was Holden Motorsports' Simon Nakamara. What was his thoughts when the car was launched? It's the future. Are you happy with what you've seen uh, delivered? Um... Yeah, well, to be honest, it's not up to us. It's um, where the sport wants to take it. So we we need to uh, either embrace it or not embrace it. But at the moment, um, you know, it's our car. It looks the same, all the rest of it. So fundamentally, we'll progress forward and see how it goes. Ultimately, though, you're the one that supports it by being a manufacturer here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, look, you know, we support the sport. um, We're big players in it. We want to continue it our involvement in it and we we leverage it as much as we can so from um, being involved in it we just we we want to be so we just need to make sure that it's right for us as the project was being developed you were vocal about what you wanted to see in a going forward do you think they've delivered on those things that you were saying were key factors in holden's involvement yeah, I think they have. I mean, look, at the end of the day, from, from a car racing point of view, the world's very different than what it used to be in the 60s and the 70s where you could just take a car from the factory and go and race it. Uh, safety factors and all the rest of the things involved and the progression of technology is um, something that you need to understand. So we simply can't do that anymore with what our cars are. So um, from, from our point of view, you know, we needed to make sure that it represented our road car. Um, and as we go forward with our next models, we're going to try and make them even more representative of our road car, so then the relevance to us is much more significant. Will it detract or enhance your brand being involved in V8 Supercars if there are other manufacturers here? Oh, so that's, right now that's probably too hard to tell, but if we keep having the success that we're having like this year, then um, which is, you know, I, I don't... I don't uh, forecast that we'll be having the same sort of success next year, but who knows? But you know, it's been a it's been a business model that we put in place, and it's worked for us so far, and we're very happy with that. Um, but given someone else comes, one or two or three or whoever, anyone, um, if we're as long as we're winning races, that's what our we're here to do. We're not here to make up the numbers. Um, so our teams to win races uh, should make no difference to who else is involved. So.
Malcolm Sweetman from DJR thinks that 2012 will see reliability tested as all the teams look at how they can spread their budgets between keeping the existing cars running and developing the car of the future. I think the gap between the haves and the haves-nots will be wider next year. Um, the, the better resource, better funded teams will have the ability to run parallel programs and so on. We probably fall somewhere in the middle. Um, we've taken the view that we will build one laboratory car um, and then we probably won't build car two until we won't even start until September, October. Um, better to build one, run it as a test car and then go from there. We, we had another plan, but t- to be honest, it's still evolving. We, we had quite a clear and concise plan when we were based around three cars um, and certain elements of the car that we thought were in place that perhaps now have altered a little bit, certainly in terms of um, who can build cars, who is what they call an approved car builder. At one point we were an approved car builder, now we're not an approved car builder. We don't fully understand the reasoning behind that, and we're in discussion with V8 Supercars now about that. Um, But there's some uncertainty, which makes one, when one is, should we say, resource-limited not to go steaming in and build something that might actually not be the right thing to do. So we're a little bit unsure at the moment, but certainly the plan at the moment will be to build one test car. Um, It would would be presumptuous, perhaps, to think that it will be a Falcon. You know, there's a Mark II Falcon coming. They're, They're pushing Mondeo very hard. There are any other number of car manufacturers out there. Um, we certainly don't have any certainty from Ford Motor Company at the moment that they have an interesting car of the future. That's still something for them to decide, and they've got other stuff to worry about, you know. So in terms of that activity, we, we, there's a little bit of waiting to be done yet. With the car of the future only a year away, does Alex Davison, who cut his teeth in Carrera Cup worldwide, think that the changes to the way the car will drive could make him a hot commodity on the 2013 driver market? Look, to be to be honest, you know, just about everyone up and down pit lane here, they're, everyone, they're all professionals, there's a lot of bloody good drivers here, and they'll adapt. I, I can't see that it's going to be so night and day different um, that it's going to favour one person or another more. Um, you know, potentially it'll suit me more, but really, I, I contrary to what it may sometimes look like, I don't like I don't have a drama driving these cars. You know, when when I have a competitive car under me, you know, I can lead. I haven't won a race, but we've led races this year. You know, we led the whole race at you know with Jamie right behind me at, at the Grand Prix. Had it not been for um, probably not quite the right strategy, but you know, it's just a matter of having a good car that suits you week in, week out, and we haven't been able to achieve that. And you know, behind the scenes, there's been some particular problems um, with with my car through the middle part of the year, which we, which we, um, uh, you know, which we found after Phillip Island, and we've been much more competitive since then. But we've had a pretty rotten run of luck lately. And been crashed out of quite a few races and lost a lot of top ten results and even yeah as I said as to answer your question before it's been a frustrating year there's been some really good highs but massive inconsistency and that's you know frustrated me as well as probably other people on the team. Does the consolidation of the grid with more and more teams becoming four and three car teams make it better for the V8 Supercar Series 
think it is better. I mean, it doesn't really make a big difference at the end of the day for, from a driver's point of view. Um, you know, you want teams with uh, enough funding and, an, and enough sponsorship commercially to be able to, to run the car at a professional level. And David Wall has been announced as the new driver at Brad Jones Racing. Wall steps into the car that will be vacated by Carl Reindler. This means the Brad Jones Racing lineup is set, with Wall joining Jason Bright and Fabian Coulthard. That means Jason Barguana now has to look elsewhere if he wants to stay in the main game. Barg's last weekend, though, kept his name up in lights with a win in treacherous conditions in the New Zealand V8 Series. Greg Murphy will race his old number, the 51 adorning the Pepsi Max car in 2012, whilst Monster Energy Drinks has signed up SBR's new driver, Lee Holsworth. In this edition of V8X Magazine on sale now, Garth Tander talks about the January V8 withdrawals. Find out why Homebush's future is in doubt and how Kelly Racing is looking to augment their sponsorship income. It's on sale now at all good news agencies and bookstores, V8X Magazine. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. We speak to Michael Caruso of Fujitsu Racing on the white flag lap. But next, after the break, Tom Worsley and Richard Crowell join me. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the Vat Insiders. Joining us this week on the show, Tom Worsley and Richard Crowell. Good evening, gentlemen. Evening, boys. Happy New Year to you both. And, Tom, it's been, uh, well, an interesting start to the year, V8 supercar-wise. Yeah, it has. Uh, you know, we're only 17 days into the new year, and it feels like there's been so much that's happened already. Frosty's broken ankle is not the way you want to get things started, Richard, but uh, boys will be boys, and he's done it water skiing, so that's a manly way to break your ankle. It is. If you're going to do it, why not do it in something you can tell a good story about? You know, on the holiday on the river with the boys, uh, a bit of water skiing, he was trying out the the new boards I think he might have got for Christmas and uh, did the damage, but what was interesting for me was that the news only came out 15 days after the event so it was around new year when it actually happened so he's already well on the way to recovery and as we've seen with athletes like frosty in the past they tend to have this ability to recover from breaks and fractures and broken bones and things like that much quicker than uh, you or i might so yeah look uh, tim edwards did seem pretty nonplussed about it all when he was asked about it the boss of fpr and certainly frosty was more than confident that it wasn't going to affect his season, and by the time they get to early February and they rock up at Sandown for the first test day of the year, they'll be uh, be good to go. So that's a positive thing, and just one of those things. And you know, it's nice that FPR don't wrap their drivers in cotton wool and 
make them sign, you know, non-dangerous sports uh, clauses or anything like that, so they can actually go and live some life, which is great. So, you know, it's uh, probably not the ideal thing for Frosty, I wouldn't have thought, because you never want to break a bone, but as it's turned out, it's probably turned out in the best possible way, uh, if there is such a thing, to uh, for it to happen. I like the uh, quote on Twitter there, Tom, where he said, I wanted a break over Christmas, but uh, not quite that way. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the other lucky thing for him is it's his left leg and, uh, you know, in a V8 supercar these days, you don't use your, your left leg much throughout the race. So come clips, all, it'll be more than mended and uh, probably even stronger than before. So it, as much as you don't want to see people get injured, it's probably a good thing that he's done it so far out from the first event. Mm. It's interesting, uh, when I think back, the last person to do something to his ankle, break an ankle, I think was Stephen Johnson, and that was at a kiddies playground. So uh, it's, uh, it's like I said at the top, it's good to see he's gone out with, uh, with a bang, as it were. Hey, Bargs is racking up some results overseas, guys. Uh, he gets a win in treacherous conditions, was the reports we got back here. Richard, how does that help him keeping his eye in, as it were, in the New Zealand series, coming back to Australia to run with uh, what we think will be Brad... Oh, no, it won't be Brad Jones Racing, so we don't well, really no, know... Well, no, it's not, because the yeah. big news is David Wall will fill that seat with Wilson Security money. So, yeah, it, it, it's a million-dollar question as to where he goes, quite literally, uh, and what looks now to be probably an endurance role, you'd think, for, for Bargs this year. The NZV8 thing... Um, I mean, it's always good to win, but uh, and, and by all accounts, from what I've read on the internet, it was actually a pretty good race. But um, that series is really struggling, and there's there's a power struggle going on in New Zealand motorsport. For those that don't know, uh, new class set up by a lot of the guys that used to be in the NZV8 class, uh, Mark Petch and a couple of others. Uh, V8 Super Tourers, of course, they've got Murphy and McConville and Scotty McLaughlin and a couple of others going in there. Um, it, uh, the result of that has you know, wreaked havoc with the NZV8 fields, and I think they only had eight or nine cars there at the weekend. So he's not beating too many drivers, but a win's a win, and by all accounts, the the top three are very, very strong, and and the competition was very good. So, yeah, look, good win, and uh, it just keeps reminding people that, you know, Bargs is still a very, very handy racing car driver, and as it looks now, when it comes to October or September, he should be uh, in a pretty good position to get a good seat, you'd think, with uh, a BJR or someone of that ilk uh, in the Enduros this year. Mm. That was the third round of six, Tom. So obviously if we're hearing about his results in that race, um, well, he's, he's not getting the coverage he needs probably to get himself back to Australia. But sitting second in the championship behind Angus Fogg, so he's doing what he has to do, which is get results. Oh, for sure. And I think for someone of Jason Barguana's calibre, it would probably be a little bit, uh, little bit frustrating this time of year not knowing what 2012 has entailed for him. So I'm sure his mindset is to just compete in as much as he can get the best results he can and hope that an offer comes before um, uh, probably before the end of next week. Mm. It's interesting though because Bargs is quite open about the model he's running Richard and his model is he brings a sponsor, he brings someone who pays him and he puts their signage on a car. So he is a paid driver but it's not 
necessarily family money that's getting him there, which is uh, certainly the Formula One way. He's going out and he's putting packages together that he's selling to sponsors, which uh, is slightly different to some of the complaints we hear about very good drivers who can't get a seat. Yeah, he's basically doing the job of two people. He's doing the job of the sponsorship seeker and the racing car driver. So, yeah, that that business model is one that's being used more and more by drivers. And it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if that's the same kind of model that David Wall has taken to BJR to land that seat. Wilson Security have been in the sport for a long time and have been backers of David Wall for a long time as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if if there's that kind of an arrangement. Look, it it works out well for teams who take that up because basically all they need to do is, you know, they don't need to employ the driver. That's all sort of arranged separately through the sponsor. They just do a services contract, put the sponsor on the car and away they go. So, you know, from a team's perspective, it's a pretty simple way to do things and it's a a guaranteed earn... um, and, you know, they don't have to go and seek the sponsor and, and nine times out of ten they uh, don't have to service it either. The, the driver will arrange all that separately. But, yeah, it, it's that changing business model of motorsport where uh, where drivers are, are finding their own funding and taking it to a team and putting that package together and then, you know, they might put whatever it is, 900 grand into the team and then pay themselves 100 for the year or whatever it might be that they want to get paid, and which is fair enough. They've got to make a living out of it. It's a full-time job. But, uh, yeah, that's the model. And, hey, it worked for Bargs last year, didn't it? So there's no reason why it can't work again. We'll just have to see in which format, whether it's full-time or part-time at the Enduros. Mm. It's interesting, though, Tom, because when uh, Wilson moved to Dalberto, it was, at the time, an interesting move for Wilson Security because I think Brad Jones Racing thought at that time they were going to secure the Wilson money. Definitely. I mean, they've had a close association with um, with Wilson Security through other avenues, such as uh, driver sponsorships through uh, through John Bow and and things like that. So it was probably a little bit frustrating for them back then, and uh, to have David Wall as a, an enduro driver last year with personal Wilson Security sponsorship. It, was probably a little bit more of a foot in the door for them. So I think for Brad Jones Racing, it, it probably feels like it's just it's been coming for a while. It just hasn't quite gotten there yet. Mm. Well, we need to take a break on the VAD Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Richard Crowell and Tom Worsley uh, joining me, Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, just want to know, what are your thoughts on Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport? How's Taz Douglas going to turn this team around, Richard? Um, oh, this, it's a good question, Craig. Um, it's difficult. I think the model... Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport need to take is the experienced driver route. Now, 
that obviously didn't quite work out the way they planned with Warren Luff. Um, but I, I'm not sure that taking a young driver out of Fujitsu, with all due respect to Taz, and I know he's done it in an old car and on a very, very limited budget, and he's had his own personal issues to deal with as well with some illness over the, over the course. But you've got to wonder whether the, the results are there or whether uh, Tim Blanchard, for example, might not be a better bet. But uh, if that's the way they've gone, so be it. And it'll be interesting to see how Young Driver works with that team and, and if they can get some stability. You know, they had a really tumultuous year last year, LDM. They went through team managers. They had staff changing over. Obviously, they had the, the question mark over Warren Luff and whether he'd continue or not. Obviously, that turned out to be a, a no-go. So... You know, they're a team that needs some stability. They just need to get a core group of people together that can work well and then move on into um, to trying to string some results together. But what they're doing is starting from scratch. So any progress they made last year with Warren, they have to start again with a new driver and a driver that's not done that week-to-week grind of a V8 supercar, full V8 supercar series before. He's got miles. He's done some enduros. So he's a, a capable driver. There's no doubt that Taz can do the job. But, uh, yeah... Challenges will continue, I think, for LDM for a while yet. Tom, it's the third time they're basically starting their season again. Oh, sorry, there's third yeah. time they're starting from scratch, three seasons in a row. Exactly, and this year they've got a new driver, a new sponsor, uh, which I don't think has been announced who it is yet. Uh, but I think the interesting thing will be for Taz for him to jump in the Lucas Dumbrell car, it'll feel like one of the best race cars he's, he's driven. Uh, he did really well filling in for Tony D'Alberto at Phillip Island, and he said that it was just a dream to drive. It was nothing like he'd driven before, because, as, as Richard said, he's done it on a shoestring budget, not always the best of machinery. So I think the car will, will spoil Taz a lot, to begin with, and uh, so maybe coming in with uh, with fresh hopes will do something for the team. It is going to be a, a tough road for them to hoe. They're going to be possibly, to, and we're pretty sure that uh, Paul Morris's licence is going to end up at Dick Johnson Racing being managed. So they're going to be the only single-car team on the grid, Tom. It, it'll be tough. Um but I think that's the only definition of, of racing that Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport knows at the moment. They've gone through so many struggles and they're still there. So there's obviously a lot of persistence within the team, even if there has been a lot of staff changes, driver changes and, and now sponsor changes. They've got an opportunity, though, guys, to make something of that, though, don't they? Because they're taking a young driver from Fujitsu, they're a single-car team, they're fighting the big four-car evil empire of your walking chores and your DJRs and your triple eights. So they've got an opportunity, if they're smart and if they're proactive, in working some PR, in in pushing that avenue and not only helping their own sponsors out, but building a bit of a loyal fan base. Because they've, they've not had the continuity and they've not had the impetus to do that in the last three years. So yep. now's a, a clean start. Really push what they're trying to do. Push the, the good fight of the privateer. Go back to the days where you had the Lansvale guys, when they got into the top ten, it was like winning a race. That's what they need to do. They, 
I think there's an opportunity for them to do that, but they've got to be a bit creative and a bit smart about it and try and make the best of what situation they've got while they're going through and, and relearning everything from the start of this season. Mm. It is going to be an interesting battle for them. Guys, I wanted to uh, give you a question without notice. That's why I didn't write it down and send it to you. <laughs> what do you think the headline at the end of Sydney is going to be for season 2012? Richard, have you got a headline in your head of how you think this year is going to pan out? Um, uh, someone beats Triple Eight! Exclamation mark! Finally! Exclamation mark! Um, no, I think uh, oh, that's a good question, and I can understand why you didn't put that in the notes. Look, I, I'd, I'd like it to be Lowndes. Personally, I'd like it to be Lowndes wins another championship. Uh, I think that would be a great outcome for the sport and uh, it would be, be a tremendous thing, but no one really wants to see Triple uh, Eight do it. So why don't we go along the lines of uh, finally, comma, frosty, exclamation mark, with a FPR title for Mark Winterbottom. All right. Now, Tom, where do you think this year is going to end up? Uh, well, I think, it, I think the second part of the headline will be at last ever Homebush. Um <laughs> I thought it was a five-year contract, not a four-year contract. Oh, wasn't Hamilton Hamilton a longer contract than has been run? Uh, I'd love to see Ingle do well this year, but I don't think he'll win it. So um, Ingle finishes Bridesmaids once again. Mm, That's an interesting one. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Is it that uh, we'll see Ingle sacked halfway through the year and Percat replacing him? That uh, would be an interesting headline for one of the most senior drivers in the series. Guys, how, how as we look towards Clipsal, and it's not all that far away, Tom, how do you think we're going to see everything shape up at Clipsal this year? Uh, I mean, there's been a few interesting shuffles and... HRT is carrying a fair bit of form out of this season, so I think uh, I reckon all three war control cars will be fairly strong in, to start the season. Um, I mean, the, everyone seemed to sort out their dramas at the end of the year, so Clipsal is really going to be unknown. Um, I think Friday practice sessions will be triple eight on top, but come qualifying and, and the races, you'll. I think it's going to be really tightly packed and probably the most exciting start of the season. Mm, all right, Richard, what about your Adelaide crystal ball? Well, look, the biggest thing that's going to change whatever happens at Adelaide is whether full performance racing are competitive from the first round this year or whether they can only get their stuff together from round eight onwards. Um, that, for me, will decide who is where at Clipsal. If they're competitive from round one and they unload in the same form they finished last year, well, then... Mark Winterbottom and Will Davison will be right there, and let's say David Reynolds is in the Botlow car, which we all expect to happen. No doubt he'll be towards the front as well. That, that to me, is, is what's going to split the Triple Eight HRT cars at the front, and probably a Rick Kelly, maybe a Greg Murphy, who incidentally has got 51 back on his car on the Pepsi Max car this year. I think that's probably the biggest variable. But for me, there's not enough that's changed over the off-season that has shown me that anyone other than an FPR or a Kelly Racing on their day are going to challenge a Triple Eight or a Holden Racing team at the front of the field at the moment. I just think they're still too good. So uh, I expect a lot of the same. But 
it doesn't matter at Clipsal, does it? Because it's a brand new season, it's the start of a new year and it's the biggest and best event on the calendar. So um, you start whinging about domination when you get to round two, round one. We just all enjoy the fact that we're uh, back at motor racing at uh, such a great event. Mm. Well, Tom, it's a pleasure to catch up with you again here on the VAD Insiders. Look forward to chatting with you right throughout season 2012. Thanks very much, Craig. And Richard, always a pleasure. Thanks, Craig. No problem. Next up on the V8 Insiders, it's the White Flag Lap. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Y Flag Lap, newly married Michael Caruso talks to the V8 Insiders about his 2011. Um, look, I feel like I've been driving better than ever, to be completely frank. Unfortunately, we've had a development chassis that we've been running for 12 months, and um, that was up until Bathurst. So basically, since then, um, we've shown speed to be well inside the top 10 every weekend. Uh, and um, unfortunately, the results haven't come. But look, um, I'm not too phased that, you know, we're in 16th. It's not where we want to be, but next year I'll have a great opportunity in the team to, um, I suppose... Lend it in the direction I want to go and, um, and show everyone, um, you know, obviously I have shown that I'm ready to do it and that's what I'm doing this weekend, but next year is a, a good opportunity. And with the car of the future on the horizon, that's going to make a, a lot of changes in, uh, from what everyone's saying and the way you drive and the way the car will respond to your input. Yeah, look, it's um, it's going to be com- it's going to be interesting. I think um, you know, for the fans and um, and obviously for the teams and us as drivers, it's it's an exciting time in V8 Supercars. We're, um, we're we're jumping leaps and bounds, and it's amazing. It's credit to everyone involved in the whole whole sport. And you know, I'm, I'm excited to to I suppose try something new. And I'm not sure when that opportunity will arise, but we'll. Um, I know everyone here at Fujitsu Racing will um, be working quite hard to. Not just do a great job with what we have now, but obviously they'll be um, focused on uh, 2013. My thanks to Robbo, Tom Worsley, Richard Crowell as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.